0: Go. Oh go. Welcome to episode yeah. ninety two <laughs> of the Send the Edge Podcast. I'm Justin Mosquito. i right, here with Ronald McDonald. <laughs> start start over. Start over. Oh my god, that was brutal. Yeah. Hey, it's week one for everyone. Are you gonna start over? Are you gonna do you gonna tell me when to re- we're recording? Yeah, we're I'm recording it now. All right. Welcome to the Send the Edge podcast. I'm Justice Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm here with my co-host Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at
1: Forverts. Also, this is episode 92. I didn't say it at the beginning. Say what's up with people, Chuck? What's up? It's uh, Justin Mosqueda and Ronald McDonald back at you with another episode of Send the Edge. Uh, we we were going to record last week, and I think we just forgot about it until it was way too late. And then it was Friday, and you guys I was are on travel the bus- and shit. Yeah. I just- uh, yeah, which uh, kind of leads me to a starting point. Got a new job. Going to be covering the, the Giants and the Jets, the two greatest football teams the NFL has to offer for uh, New York Daily News. Start on Monday, the f- September 30th. So that's going to be uh, an adventure. I think that's one way to put it. Can you talk about the Giants and Jets here? Yeah, I do to see why not.
0: Okay, all right. I just know when I've had certain gigs, they've been like, yeah, you can't. Because I remember like last year when I was like, Writing about gambling, I couldn't like give out picks really and stuff like that. I just didn't know if there was some sort of thing with that. But all right, we can talk about all about uh, our our two hour episode that we're going to do on Luke Falk. You have no worries. All right, and let's
1: conclude episode uh, (laughs) ninety (laughs) two. But so I I guess we can start off with uh, these week three games. No, week four games are about to come up. Uh, and just kind of hit on what's come up throughout, you know, I guess the first almost first quarter of the season. Like we're we're already almost uh, through the first month, which is it, it's always kind of crazy how fast it blows by. Like once you start getting to the thick of things.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I'm kind of excited because, like, with the whole XFL thing, like I legit have nine months of consecutive football basically that it started. So yeah, I, I'm hyped. I'm hyped. Also, perfect. I'll probably be hyped for that three three month vacation time basically. Yeah, after, after the XFL season. So we'll see how fast time actually flies by. We'll we'll, we'll see. Uh,
1: OK, so we should just dive like right in with these picks and, you know, just whatever crap uh, comes up. Can you send me the Google Doc? It's the same damn Google Doc. All right. I'll send it to your Twitter. DMs. I mean, yes, but I didn't I didn't click on it. So that's my bad. All right.
0: Uh, ju- just to recap our gambling takes. Um, don't follow anything that we've said this year. Yeah, We've lost an incredible amount of money. It's pretty absurd. And it's all happened on, like, games. Like, I think, one, like, I've made, like, 10 bets, lost eight of them the last two weeks. And I think six of them were by, like, 10 combined points. It's just, like, the most brutal fashion. I, Josh Allen is going to run me out of my damn apartment. I'm going to have to move to a studio apartment. It's not mm-hmm. It's not good, man.
1: There's no other way to, uh, to go out <laughs> than Josh Allen. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I to die die on the Josh Allen train, but he's playing the yeah. pass this week. We'll talk about that later. Thursday night football, Philadelphia Eagles at the Green Bay Packers. Undefeated Green Bay Packers, even though they haven't looked good and have had like I don't know, five good drives <laughs> in three games. Their defense yeah. is good. Um the Packers are four and a half point favorites. Um, Eagles are really banged up I just saw Alshon Jeffrey went through the walkthrough today so that means he's probably going to play but um, Eagles looked rough without their wide receivers last week and Nelson Aguilar just isn't it he he can't hold up a wide receiver unit by himself
1: yeah he's like gone back to his rookie year shit where he's just dropping every single pass like the I mean the Falcons I mean the Eagles they should have beat the Falcons like if for being real the Falcons should be 0-3 right now but Aguilar just dropped like the straight up layup pass from Carson Wentz. Like the, the Eagles were, or no the Falcons were running cover two And the Eagles ran like the smash concept and like, that's the perfect thing to do. They found him, they found Aguilar like right in between the safety in the corner and he would have ran for a touchdown and the dude just straight up dropped it. Uh, so yeah, he, he's not it. And honestly, I know, I don't think, I think, I think I don't want to bet on Thursday night football, but the, I, I really do like the Packers minus four and a half. because I, I feel like there's just a, lot, a much better team than the Eagles right now. And like the Eagles are so banked up that the Eagles offensive line is really not what it used to be. Especially like, we didn't talk about this last week, but if you just watch that Falcons and the Eagles game, like, Tack McKinley looked like... Justin Houston against Jason Peters, which was kind of crazy. Grady yeah. Jarrett was to the line. And the Packers, like, they have the front seven talent to really beat up this uh, offensive line. And, you know, Wentz is going to try and play some hero ball. But I just, I just don't know if it's going to be enough against that defense. Like, I, I feel like this is going to be one of those Thursday night games where you kind of look at the, the name brand of Eagles Packers. But this is probably going to be another slot fest. Yeah, probably.
0: The other thing, too, with the, the Pierce stuff – like, one, it seems like Peters is over the hill at this point, right? Like, just based off of what we've seen recently. But Siamalu lines up next to him, and he's always kind of been a little bit of a liability as an NFL starting guard. So, with those two guys right next to each other, I mean, the, the backside of those those passing plays are just getting blown out for Carson Wentz. Um, and he's just holding on to the ball too damn long. I know people went in on that one play where he got sacked at the end of the game last week where his offensive linemen are just staring at him, but... I mean he just keeps scrambling and scrambling and scrambling and scrambling. Like if if they don't have eyes behind in the back of their heads, you know?
1: Yeah. And the thing with that play was he held the if you if you just go back and just count, he held the ball for eight seconds before he got sacked. Like and he had a good exactly. for that. Like he was holding the ball for eight seconds. I guess he couldn't find anyone and then he got sacked. I mean, that's not on the offensive line. If you no. take eight seconds to throw the ball, they're gonna assume that you let it go already. It's the uh, same
0: thing, I guess, I mean, with the Packers, too, right? Like, it's the same thing with, like, PFF always has the Packers super highly rated in, uh, like, pass blocking. But they still take sacks, and then people can't figure out why, how both of those things can exist. And it's because Rodgers holds onto the ball and scrambles around. It's not it's not that difficult to figure out. Um, do you have a gambling take on this? You don't, you don't want to bet on this at all? I bet I, uh, I bet the over on Thursday night last week. And Minshew scored two touchdowns in like five minutes, and then exactly. they proceeded to not score anything at all. I was just yeah, I remember
1: you? Uh, you were puffing your chest a little bit. Dude, I just need
0: twenty-four points for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I need twenty-four <laughs> points in fifty minutes. This is awesome. I'm gonna make money off of this. And then our buddy Colin was like, "Let's revisit
1: this in two hours." And then sadness crazy. ensued. Yeah. yeah. I, you know what I'm looking for this week on Thursday Night Football. You sent that video or not I don't know if it was a video, but just like clips of, of Roger throwing these RPOs into the dirt. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Like he, he'll, he'll like he's doing throwaways now, where it's like it's just done a half second into the play, and then he'll just turn to the sideline and be like, "Bad call." Like <laughs> bad call. Yeah. There was one play where there was the RPO, and like both receivers were blocking, so he just dirted it, so I understand that. But then he like pointed at the sideline. I was like, see, this is why we don't fucking do this, LeFleur. And then the very (laughs) next play was a third down with, like, immediate pressure off of action. And then he rolled out and threw it away. And then he, like, I don't even, like, he waved to the sideline in a very sarcastic way. I don't know how else to explain it other than that. But, yeah, I mean, there's on-field tension that is happening in every single game at this point. So uh, there's going to be plenty of cameras for that Thursday night game. Because I think it's the first week the Fox crew is doing it, too. So that'll be interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, so don't have a pick on this, but like if you were so inclined to bet on Thursday night football, I, I think I would lean Packers four and a half just like that defense playing lights out. You get a short game uh, at home versus a really banged up offense like that kind of seems like a good spot for the Packers. Got, but gun to my
0: head, I'd take the under.
1: I think under.
0: Both, people see. Yeah, I think people see Winston Rogers and it's just like that. They're yeah. not who you think they are so far this year.
1: Yeah. Uh, next game, the Carolina Panthers at the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans are four point favorite. I, I have been like, I don't know what to make of the Panthers defense. Cause I think like they've, they've been fairly impressive to start the season, but last week against the Cardinals, I, I don't really know what the Cardinals game plan was. Cause Kyler, he completed a ton of his passes, but I think he had less than 180 yards and like almost 50 dropbacks, which is. Pretty it's crazy. Not good. It's not good. yeah not good.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, I would, uh, when you I look at the, the uh, NEA stuff, like Carolina is a top five defense, which is not something that I would have predicted three weeks in the season.
1: Yeah. I thought the defense was going to be good, but like the way the start they've gotten out to is, is pretty impressive. Uh, now, I, I guess, you know, three game sample size. So I guess we're going to have to see like how that holds throughout the season. But I don't really expect Deshaun Watson in company to come in and just kind of surrender on offense like that. Like, he's going to try to push the action and make plays no matter what. Uh, even last week, like, the dude is just relentless. Like, I don't really know how to describe him other than that. I mean, he's getting knocked down. He's getting hit. He's making plays in the pocket. And he's still finding guys, like, wide open, like, 30 yards down the field. Uh, so I, I, I kind of want to take Houston minus four on this one just because I don't I just don't think that You know, Carolina on the road with Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen, you know, he had a nice game last week against uh, Arizona. But I think being asked to keep up with Deshaun Watson and really being forced to, like, press the action is going to be a little bit of a difficult challenge for him. So I'm going to roll a Houston minus four. I don't think that you have a pick on this game, though.
0: No, I I really don't. Just because until some of these lines get real short or they get real high, I just don't trust the volatility of Houston's offensive line consistently, you know. Um, yeah. The one thing that I will say about Kyle Allen, uh, again, uh, working with the XFL, I've had to dig entirely too much into uh, like what the depth of these guys' numbers have been in like the preseason, stuff like that. Um, Kyle Allen's done good in mm-hmm. the NFL when he's gotten his looks. He was a five-star coming out of high school, wasn't he?
2: Yeah, he was the number one recruit at Texas A&M, and then Kevin Sumlin had him in— uh, Kyler Murray transfer out like right before their bowl game. He, he ended up losing a lot of quarterbacks, and he doesn't really know what he's doing with Khalil Tate at Arizona right now, too. So, um, but Kyle Allen had that week 17 game, I think, against the Saints, like backups, where he yeah, did last well. But I mean, that's those are NFL players. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll see. I'm, I'm kind of the, the Kyle, Kyle Allen stuff is probably the hype is probably going to get too much, especially like Carolina radio where they just try to pummel on cam 24 um, seven. But I don't think he's awful. Like he, he's going to be better than a guy like Luke Falk. Right. Like, definitely. Yes. Um, yes. Carolina is in a tough spot, man. This is something that we haven't really talked about here, but like we talked about it uh, in the offseason all the time where it's like, Carolina has to make a decision. If Cam Newton is going to be worth a hundred million dollars guaranteed pretty soon. And I don't, I have no idea what they're going to do. Because if they say, no, I don't trust Cam with $100 million guaranteed when his body might be breaking down, I I think that could be a reasonable decision,
1: you know? Yeah. I mean, you, you had the take before the season, didn't you, that uh, even if Cam wasn't ready to go, like you should, you still shouldn't be afraid of betting on that, uh, well, the Panthers over. I think it was an eight and a half, I want to say.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so they were they were one of the teams that like lost a ton of close games last year. So you could say you know they're better than their record um, last year. So may, maybe we're seeing it right now. I mean, if you look at combined NEA, their their passing offense is basically average right now after what Kyle Allen did, and their defense is top five. So they're like the sixth ranked overall team if you're just looking at uh, NEA yards um, offense and defense. Even though they're one and two, I want to say. So this is probably kind of an underrated team. That's why I would stay away from this.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but I I, I just still trust Deshaun Watson at home to get it done. I uh, I don't know. It just kind of feels like Watson versus Allen. I know Allen's like you said he's been good when he's done <laughs> change the play. I'm just gonna go uh, yep. with the stuff. Uh next game the Browns. Versus the Ravens, the Ravens are a seven-point favorite at home. Ah, uh, that seven feels like a little bit too high to me. Well, uh, I mean, okay. Well, <laughs> did you did you I, see Sunday Night Football? Yeah, I did see Sunday Night Football. So, not let me let me say this. I feel like Baltimore is definitely a better team than Cleveland right now, but it's not really like Baltimore's pass defense has been all that impressive this year, which is a little bit surprising considering the talent they have back there. And I don't know, like, just when you have Odell and Landry and I guess the Bakers, okay. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like they can make this, make this game frisky. Like, I think if I was going to bet on Baltimore, it'd probably be a part of a tease, but I don't know who I'm going to, you know, put that with, like, Baltimore minus one. But, man, the Browns look... They look pretty bad.
2: Fourth and nine draw. Freddie... Kitchens doesn't know he needs to cover his face when he's calling NFL play calls because they got a camera on him. This looks rough. So, like that that thing, I took a video of it and it was uh, so Freddie Kitchens, they go in the pistol in the fourth quarter, right? And then run outside zone, which is kind of why you would go in the pistol. And then they cut him to the sideline and he's not covering his face. And you see him say, God damn. What? Uh, my mic is cut
1: now. Yeah, just unplug it. Technical difficulties. Yeah, just unplug the mic. Alright.
2: We good? Yeah. Alright, where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the Freddie Kitchens face? Yeah, face? Just going to keep going. Oh, goodness gracious. This is going to be off radio. Alright, so Freddie Kitchens doesn't cover his face. Um, if any coach worth his weight in dirt um, would know that, you know, if a guy just got into pistol ran outside zone, which is what you do in the pistol, he says pistol on the television broadcast, you know that play is just going to be flipped. And they do it again. Aaron Donald t- uh, got a hit on Chubb, like, three yards in the backfield, and they were lucky to get two yards. Just, like, real dumb stuff like that. They also called a timeout um, at, like, with the clock stop. They called a timeout, I think, on fourth down, um, which is, like, a key situation of, like, the Rams are probably going to call a timeout there, right? They're going to see what you come out in. Then, then themselves are going to, go into, going to call a timeout. Instead, they called a timeout when they had three. They could have made the Rams play a whole drive uh, at the end of the game, but instead they let them kneel it out. And when they came back on, out on offense, out of the timeout, the Rams called a timeout, exactly what you would have expected. It's, it's like Kitchens has never, like, played a game of Madden or anything or, like, watched an NFL game. It was kind of brutal to watch.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to make of this because I, I think one thing with the Browns that's just so surprising to me is like their offense has been way more vanilla than it was last year. Like there was a, I remember versus the Falcons game last year. Man, they brought out there's an entire drive like they ran out of diamond and they doing triple option stuff and you know they got a little bit too cute and I think Duke Johnson threw an interception. Uh, but like you don't really see them really trying to be creative anymore and i don't know if that's because freddie kitchens has too much on his plate and he's not really spending as much time as he wants to be on you know calling offensive plays but the the creativity is just so down like it, it just feels really stagnant and like the only guy that's really forcing the issue and getting open for some one-on-one coverage right now is pretty much odell and yeah, like you can expect him to do that against pretty much anyone, but you might have to get a little bit more creative to get these other guys open and get that offense moving. But even without the creativity stuff and how bland it looks at times, Baker is just not playing well right now. Like, he just right. does not look good. I mean, last He's year – He's bailing when, out of clean pockets and stuff. It's right. Nice. And one of the things that that really made him go off in that the back half of last season outside of, like, the play calling was – he was super decisive with the bottom. Like he's taking one, he's catching the ball, doing one scan real quick, and he's firing it out there. And now he's catching the ball. He's waiting for four or five seconds and then he's just getting planted, which I think might be skewing the, the Browns sack numbers a bit, even if their offensive line isn't great. But Baker's got to get rid of the ball faster. And I feel like that's a potential area of disaster where the Ravens defense can kind of get back on their shit and get back to where they were last year. Like this could this game could be a catalyst. Like if Baker's just gonna sit there. And hold them to the ball. Well, you know, here's Earl Thomas who's waiting who has made a career off of just waiting for guys and like all the great safety to do and then coming and pick off passes. So uh, that's a big concern, but how has how the Browns defense looked for uh, NYA values? Because I haven't looked at that yet. It's uh it's average, but do you know where their offense ranks? I think it was like twenty seven. Twenty eight. They yeah. have
2: a 28th passing offense. So they're only better than the Bears, Cardinals, Jets, and Dolphins right now. That's brutal.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's real bad company to be in. And the Browns also, like, another reason why I might be a little bit wary of, of taking the Ravens minus seven, Like the Browns' season low-key kind of hinges on this game because if they lose this game, they fall to one and three and they have games against the 49ers which we'll talk about later but they're pretty looking pretty damn good. Uh they play Seattle which is I don't know. If Russ is if they let Russ be great like that's a game they could lose and then they play the best the best team to ever be assembled the uh New England Patriots after that. Like this is this is the start of like a pretty brutal four game stretch for them. So this game is like almost if we don't win this, our season could end right now. And that sense of urgency, like I know it's kind of a bit of anecdotal analysis, but like you got to kind of play with a bit of fervor. And I feel like this is going to be a little tightly closer game than than seven points. But I think I'm going to save that Baltimore seven for a tease and tease it down to one and figure out what I want to do with that later. All
2: righty, sounds good. Uh, Just one quick note on Cleveland. Oh, yeah, Lamar Jackson's amazing. Um, on Cleveland, uh, they have, like, four former head coaches on their coaching staff outside of Kitchens. And uh, let's just say that there are rumors around that it, it wouldn't be against John Dorsey's interest to just consistently churn through head coaches so that he stays in power and doesn't lose um, authority like he did in Kansas
1: City. So maybe Kitchens isn't going to be there as long as people think. Yeah. I mean, they gotta get this thing moving quick. There's just too much talent, too much time, like too much money that is poured into this team. So
2: Right, this is this is their window. Right. Right. This is their window. So if you're going one and three or one and four, I mean, that's a wrap. You might mm-hmm. not make it out of the bye. So all right, next game. Washington at the New York Giants. This is good God. Neither of these teams are good. Hopefully I mean, Daniel Jones at least makes Giants games watchable to the point where like we're hinging on his draft evaluation on every single drop back he has. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is a really fun place to be for Daniel Jones, I'm sure.
2: The the funniest thing is the nerds aren't even fighting back on this one. They're like already like we got this one wrong. You know, there's no one like let's wait it out. You'll you'll see the downfall is coming coming down the line. Like when Josh Allen beat the uh, Minnesota Vikings, people are already like. Daniel Jones is just balling out. I don't know. The the one thing that I will say about Jones is I wonder how much that shoulder injury really impacted him down the line last season. Because before a shoulder injury last season, he looked really good. Um, It was after the shoulder injury that he played through where where his numbers looked pedestrian. He looked like Bortles basically at the college level. So let's see what happens there. Saquon's out. Washington's a short week. Washington, uh, Case Keenum, all that. Backup offensive line starting a left tackle. Uh, this is gonna be a slop fest, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing at least for Daniel Jones, and at least you know, one thing that might make it watchable, I'll say, is both of these defenses are terrible. Uh, I mean, the Washington they let Mitch Trubisky look like a real quarterback on Monday Night Football uh, at times, at times. Uh, so you know, I, maybe the defenses are just so bad that. The offense just kind of win by default, but yeah, if you, unless you're a fan of either of these teams, or if you're covering it like me now, uh, this I, I don't really know if there's that much reason to watch. I'm
2: trying to think if I have any take at all here. Other than yeah, <laughs> I mean the the Giants' defense is awful. I think we talked about this when we recorded last time, but I mean they spent eleven. Gettleman has spent eleven draft picks and Odell Beckham Jr. on this defense, right? And they're as bad as the Miami Dolphins right now. That's awful.
1: Yeah. You can't DeAndre- win
2: games like that. Because, I mean, they're basically locked into the these bad DBs for long periods of time. It's not like they're going to cut them and move on. They mm-hmm. have to go through the growing pain. So, like, they got to get it together sooner. I mean, this could just be, like, Tampa, Oakland, San Francisco bad of recent seasons, you
1: know? Yeah. And, you know, DeAndre Baker. Good God, man. I mean... I I thought he was really good. Maybe that was just my Georgia fan bias speaking, but I liked him a lock him into the draft. I mean, right now, he doesn't even really look like an NFL player. I mean, it doesn't matter who you put out in front of him. He is just getting torched. So, uh, like you said, it's been a lot of resources poured into that defense, and it's among the worst in the league. So, I, I guess my only take is Washington. Just put in Haskins. I don't understand like your own no, coach. Jay.
2: Jay's already talked about this. Jay. Jay said that yeah. like when Colt yes. McCoy comes back, that Colt McCoy is going to be the starter. I'm pretty sure.
1: I was like, what's what's the point, Jay?
2: He doesn't. He doesn't want Haskins in. He's yeah. not going to put Haskins in. Haskins. If you put Haskins pass attempts, you know, point five, even both sides, I, I would take the under.
1: Yeah. Uh explain. So yeah, don't put your money on this game. Let's move on. Uh, the next game is <laughs> the Los Angeles Chargers heading to the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins are a 16-and-a-half <laughs> home underdog to the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I would almost be inclined to tease this down to, like, what, minus 10-and-a-half the Chargers, but I, how can you trust the Chargers to absolutely blow the doors off this Miami team? They,
2: they don't bring kickers to road games. I can't. I can't trust this team anymore. You. You lost to the to the Detroit Lions. This is. I'm furious at this team. I'm over it. Their offensive line is as bad as we said. By the way. Yeah. Like Same. the 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 point that no one wanted to make this offseason because they don't know who the hell Sam Tevi is. I wish I didn't know who Sam Tevi was, but uh, their offensive line is you know at the bottom of the league, outside of Miami, probably. Yeah. This is just going to be a bad old line play. You need an offensive line whisper in this game. Protect yeah.
1: Phillip Rivers. There's no reason. I don't. I don't. I think this is like a supreme stay away game. Not that I think the Dolphins are going to win, but to, for them to cover this, like for them to, uh, like they have a realistic chance to cover the spread just because I, I don't know. It's the Chargers. And like, I don't know how much more reason you need, like, besides just some bullshit Charger shit going on. And they ended up like squeaking out a tight one against one of the worst teams that we've ever seen. But I, I don't think that. You know, like for some real analysis, I don't think you can understate just how bad this Miami Dolphins team is. Uh, they are they have almost matched the point differential of the 2017 Cleveland Browns. And I remember like during that season when the Browns were 0-16, we were saying, you know, you, you can bet them in the first half and then they're going to get blown out in the second half. So like their point differential was one, minus 176 for the season. Uh, the dolphins are already at minus minus one seventeen through three games. They have given up 133 points. They've scored 16. None of the games have been close. They looked like slightly competent, uh, in the first half against the Cowboys. And then they just all fell apart. And even in that first half, like the Cowboys missed some plays that should have gotten them to like closer to 50 points and 31. So, you know, this is a very, very, very bad football team, uh, Prayers out for Brian Flores, because I can't imagine what it's like going from the Super Bowl to this. Uh,
2: You know what it's like? It it pushes you to do a surprise
1: onside kick in the second quarter
2: against Dallas is what it's like. (laughs) With the new kickoff rules where you recover it like 9% of the time or something like that. Like, my God, he's really going through it. I'm (laughs) telling you, I, I have this conspiracy theory where like Belichick hasn't named a defensive coordinator. He's calling plays for himself right now, right? I think he's like, yeah, Flores will be back by playoffs. <laughs> like, oh yeah, he'll he'll fucking resign. He's he's he, he doesn't have the uh, mental fortitude to deal with this. I don't know if anyone does, man. So, okay, if you had to get, have you looked at point differential at all this year? I looked it up uh, after week two, and then I uh, haven't since.
1: So the Dolphins are dead last, obviously, with a minus one seventeen point differential to three games. The next worst team is the New York Jets, who are at minus thirty-seven. They are eighty points worse than the next worst team, and we're three weeks through the season.
2: <laughs> awful, 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 awful. I'm gonna look up uh, all-time actually
1: right now. I I know that as of last week, like if you had their their projected point differential as of just the two games versus uh, Baltimore and New England, they were projected to have a worse point differential than the 08 Lions. 17 browns and 76 bucks combined uh because they're supposed to have like a point differential of minus 736 but i think they've gotten that down to like the the low 700s instead so you know baby steps even though it should have been worse than 31 6 last week
2: yeah so their point differential is one minus 117 that's the worst in nfl history by about 20 points so they're about I was about 15% worse than any team we've ever seen in NFL history up to this point.
1: Yeah. And, and honestly, I, I thought it would, I thought the dolphins would be one of those teams. That's so bad that it's funny to watch, but it's just bad. And it's not, it's honestly not that interesting. To watch.
2: You know what we got to do? We got to stop doing the Josh Rosen thing, man. Cause I understand. <laughs> I understand people relate to him. I understand people thought well of him coming out of school. Um, he maybe he got hosed in Arizona. Maybe he got hosed, Maybe he's getting hosed in Miami, um, but he's not putting up better numbers in Miami than he is in, he did at Arizona. And is he really going to get a third chance? Like, at, at what point do we just say like it is? It is what it is. Where it's like no one's arguing about David Carr anymore. You know,
0: like, right?
2: It, it might the book might be closed on Rosen, even if um, it's not really his fault. You know, at least at the NFL level, as far as getting a starting job, you know?
1: Yeah, I remember I saw this weekend, it was like, oh, you know, do you think some Dolphins fan was like, oh, could we trade Rosen? Like, for what? I mean, I mean, I feel like at his contract, you might as well keep him on as a backup until his deal expires at this point. But I, I think, you know, just with the... With the way that it started, and like you said, statistically, he's much worse than he was last year, which is even hard to fathom. I think he's completing, like, 43% of his passes, and, you know, people will say his best passes are dropped. That's
2: completed passes, too. That's not including the sacks. Like, when we looked at it with the sacks, it was, like, in the 30s. And it's like, my God.
1: Yeah. And, you know, people will say, oh, his best passes are dropped. Well, whatever, man. Like, at some point, you have to produce. And, you know, like you said, it might not be all his fault, but... Guys don't get chances like this. Like he's not he's not Nathan Peterman level of bad, but he's like Blank Abbott. And you know Blank Abbott got the plug pulled pretty quick. And Rosen's already in the second team. Like if you get the number one pick in 2020, you know Josh Rosen's not going to stop you from picking the quarterback that you want in the first pick. Or even if you get to 2021, like
0: he I, it, last year,
1: right? He didn't last year. So <laughs> right, we already have proof of Josh Rosen not stopping the team. And I think it's funny, you know, last year, all these people, oh, you know, the uh, the Cardinals, they made a mistake by getting rid of Rosen and drafting Kyler. Well, no, I think through three games, we can say that that's not true. Um, but enough about this awful team. Uh, let's talk about another awful team. And I think this is where I'm going to do my tease, where we have the uh, Oakland Raiders traveling to the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And I think I'm going to pair this with the Baltimore tease and take that down to uh, – the Colts being favored by half a point, so really, it's just a pick them at that point. Uh, the Raiders stink, man. And the Colts are, I think, a much... Like, at, at least they look more functional than them. I mean, I know the Falcons suck, uh, but Jacoby Brissett completed, like, 16 straight passes and, you know, was pretty effective, like, throughout the entire day. And, you know, he's really benefited from a better supporting cast than he was last year. He's benefiting from a better coaching staff. And when you look at... You know the matchup in talent, the matchup in coaching. Like this, kind of feels like it could be a blowout one for the Colts because I just, I just don't know how you can trust the Raiders right now. I mean, we saw them in a one o'clock game last week against the. Uh, uh, I thought I uh, got distracted for a second. We saw them. you Have a stroke? Okay. <laughs> my phone, my phone flashed. I got distracted. Uh, we saw them last week against the Vikings. They got blown out in a one o'clock game. They got another one o'clock game against a good team this week. It's like. I don't really know how the Raiders can win this game. And, you know, it's it kind of sucks that the Raiders kind of made all these investments on offense. And their defense, again, is going to be their Achilles heel because that defense is brutally bad. Yet they,
2: they are, but to be fair to Oakland, some of the guys are hurt, right? So, some of the guys, that, the young guys that they wanted to step up are hurt. But still there's an excuse for taking Farrell fourth overall and all that stuff. I mean,
1: yeah. Uh, especially when you look at how, like, Brian Burns has looked or, like, even if you've watched Ed Josh Oliver. Josh Allen's done well. Josh Allen, too. Ed Oliver's looked great. Like, he, you can clearly already see, like, immediately that they might have made a mistake by taking Farrell that high. But, I, I mean, just when you, like like I said before, when you look at the coaching matchup, the talent matchup, it, it just so heavily favors Indianapolis. Uh, so, I think I'm just going to make it easy on myself and pair that with the Baltimore game and tease it down to minus point five. Do you have any other takes on this game?
2: uh i care if ty is healthy or not outside of that not really you pretty much covered it
1: Yep. okay uh <laughs> the next game is the kansas city chiefs traveling to detroit to take on the Lions. the Lions are a six point home underdog against the chiefs and i think we're both on the same page here let's take the chiefs let's take patrick mahomes against just about anybody
2: oh uh, yeah um again matthew stafford uh, Bad against five hundred teams. He beat the Chargers, who might not be a five hundred team at this point this year. Um, so I'm willing to take that. Just Mahomes, what he's doing. I know. I know a lot of people like fight back the instant reaction of like, "Wow, this guy is so amazing." We've seen, uh, we're seeing things that are unprecedented in sports in general, right? Like when a guy goes on a hot streak. But legitimately, like what Mahomes has done over twenty games is something that is unprecedented at the NFL level. And, you know, we kind of came into this year thinking like, oh, Mahomes is like touchdown numbers are probably going to go down just based off of like regression and stuff. And it's almost flipped where it's like, holy crap, he's not even in his final form. He's going to get better. Like he might might be breaking football. Like he's throwing bombs to Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman. And it's just like this. None of this makes sense. Like no one that we've ever been able to watch football is able to do this before. And. You know Detroit's secondary numbers have been kind of okay um, this year, but I mean we'll see what it looks like at the end of this this game because I don't know I just I just can't imagine not Kansas City not being favored by double digits against anyone who isn't a non-contender. You know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean to be fair to the Lions, they I think they, they might be a little bit better team than I thought they were going to be. Uh, but man, like like you said, Mahomes is it, it, he really is unlike anything we've seen before. Like just the efficiency paired with that, like the offensive scheme, the talent they have. Like they are a buzzsaw. And the, the
2: aggressiveness too. I think right. the aggressiveness is really important because I th- you know I, I'm a Packers fan, so like I see a lot of Packers fans who like argue are arguing about like Mahomes prime versus Rogers prime and stuff. And I'm like, you guys, it's it's not close. He wasn't doing this. Rodgers right. wasn't doing this, and Rodgers was the best I had seen before this. You know, so
1: yeah. And, and the thing is, like, the, I think the Raiders game from two weeks ago is a perfect example. Like, where the Raiders are up, they're up ten zero. I think coming out of the first quarter, and then bam, touchdown, 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 twenty eight to nothing. Fourth, qu- like four second quarter touchdowns before you can even think. And you know, it, it's. You can maybe slow them down for a drive here, maybe a quarter there if you get lucky, but I mean, I feel like them minus six against anyone right there, even if they lose, it's still a good process, just with how absurdly explosive this offense is, and I mean, they they can put points, points up on anyone. We saw, last year we saw, uh, what, Brian Flores' defense shut down the Rams in the Super Bowl. Dude, Mahomes put up 40 on them, in like, one, like not even his 10th star. so... This guy's unbelievable. The talent's unbelievable. Andy Reid has a perfect like, scheme for him. He's going to push the action. And the crazy thing about Mahomes is like he's, he's throwing deep. And maybe last year he threw some interceptions. But this year, like he's not making those same mistakes or being inaccurate with the ball. Like, he's legitimately a better player than he was last year, which is uh, pretty terrifying for everyone else involved.
2: Yeah, I agree, man. I, I'm willing to lock this one in. So you're taking this one, too? Yeah, for sure. All right. There we go. The kiss of death is when Charles and I agree on a line that we're going to go
1: one and four this week. Yep, that's fine. Uh, next yeah. game is the New England Patriots traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills. The Buffalo Bills are a seven-point home underdog, and I think I'm with you on this one too. The Patriots minus seven. I don't know. I just like I know the Bills are three and zero, oh and that defense is good. Like when you watch the Bills' defense on tape mcdermott is one hell of a defensive coach just with how in sync everyone is like there aren't really any right. missed assignments but i just think this patriots team is so overwhelming and when you look at the adjustment the guys per attempt numbers yeah the, the pats they're overwhelmingly the like the number one team in the league and they played two of the worst teams in the league maybe the two worst teams in the league in the jets and the dolphins but still like it's hard to ignore you know 43 to nothing with two pick sixes even against the dolphins or uh just absolutely shutting out the uh the Jets offense last week I mean they should have won 30 to nothing but they had a, a pick six when Jared Sidney came in the game and I think they had a special teams touchdown so yeah this team was just totally overwhelming and I just don't know if this Buffalo squad is ready to beat them or really even hang hang close with them
2: right and you gotta remember last time these guys played I think that was when they had LaShawn McCoy doing the Wildcat stuff and now Buffalo those, like bread and butter is basically like take the ball out of Josh Allen's hand, let him do quarterback sweeps and stuff like that. You know what Belichick is going to do? He's going to take that away. You know, yeah. Like, he's, he's going to make Josh Allen throw. And the thing with this Pat secondary, this Pat secondary is amazing. Like, I don't think people understand how good this defense is right now. Like they're probably, they're on pace, even though they're playing a bunch of garbage time where teams are trying to throw, you know, easy completions. They're probably on pace to do like what, Chicago did last year
1: mm-hmm. so you
2: have that type of secondary locking down teams at the end of games um I didn't take the Jets game last week because I thought that line was just a little too high but if you can get New England minus seven against a bad quarterback I mean that secondary is going to lock teams out and their offense is just going to you know go bombs away I know they have some injuries and wide receivers kind of uh uh turned over I guess is the, the, be- the best way to put it the most yep. mild way to put it let's say um, that. But, uh, like, looking in week three, like, just adjusting net yards per attempt uh, for offense, defense, they're twice as good as every team in the NFL, at least, other than the Kansas City Chiefs right now. Like, just ride that thing if you're getting the line this short, I think.
1: Yeah, let's uh, lock in that Chiefs-Patriots-AFC title game rematch. Uh, I feel like pretty comfortable saying that.
2: I, I'll, I'll allow Baltimore to get frisky as a contender. But, yeah, it's it's – I'm looking at adjusting that yards per attempt right now, like the rankings. It's Pats 1, Chiefs 2, Bills 7, Ravens 9, and then Titans 13. That's the entire AFC. And the Titans aren't any good. No. So if the Bills can't compete and we can kind of write them off that they're not in that contention um, type of tier, then it's just Chiefs, Patriots, and then just hoping Lamar gets hot, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh which kind of brings us to the next game, the Tennessee Titans heading to Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons are a three and a half point favorite. And this just feels like an extreme stay away game. Uh, I, I don't know what to expect from like either team really. Cause like you, we all know, like if you, if you just on paper look at these teams side by side, like you would favor the Falcons, but they are just, you know, they're doing some falcon shit, like but they just can't get out of their way. And they're making bonehead mistakes. And, you know, it, it took last week for Matt Ryan to have literally, like, a flawless second half. I mean, he was, like, he was 22-23, 20, 216, and three touchdowns in the second half. And it still wasn't enough for them to beat the Colts. So I I just don't know how you can have faith in either team to to pull this out. And I know the Titans still have that... 43 to uh, 13 beat down of the Browns in week one, but they just got dusted by. Okay, Mariota
2: doesn't look right. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't
1: look good. Like we talk, I think I, I don't know if we talk about this on here or, or somewhere else, but when you just, when you see Mariota play this week and just look in, it looks like he's throwing a medicine ball out of his hands. Like that ball is, it, it has no juice on it anymore. It's, it's just kind of sad to see what kind of happened to his, his arm.
2: Yeah. Our but our buddy Derek Claussen said that, uh, it looked like Carson Palmer at the end of his career, you know, when you kind of knew it was over and maybe Mariota's able to rebound uh, at some point, but it looks like whatever, you know, nerve injury that he had to his elbow, ju- he just doesn't look right. He's not mm-hmm. ready. And yeah. it's not like the Titans. I mean, you could kind of look at uh, how, what teams think of their quarterback by the draft process. Cause you have to announce who you bring on, on invites. So like, The lions brought in guys you could tell that they're you know at least half stepping um matthew stafford the titans brought in guys uh teams like that right so like you could tell that the titans aren't totally invested in mariota long term when they brought in a guy like drew lock and he very well could have gone or been drafted by him in the second so
1: yeah uh i don't know i i just like like i said i don't really know what to expect from either team we know the Falcons are more than capable of laying an egg, even with the amount of talent they have. So uh, I, I think this is one of those prime stay away games. And I don't know. I don't, I don't really have much else to say about you, the team. Uh, I that. just
2: I just don't think it's a very interesting game.
1: No, it's not. I,
2: it's just not good value. I'll see it on Red Zone if it
1: comes on. But if it doesn't, oh, well. well yeah, whatever. But nevertheless. Uh, <laughs> nevertheless. I'm a Ravens fan now. Uh Afternoon games, we are on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers (coughs) trap. Oh, God. (laughs) Again. Here we go. The Buccaneers are traveling to the Rams. Uh, The Rams are a 10-point home favorite. You have Tampa Bay plus 10. Why?
2: Uh, The Rams offense isn't
1: right. Yeah. Gurley's getting
2: about, like, 20% of the touches when he's on the field. And they're just using him as a decoy. And then they're going into gun to go quick game with golf when they know he has that long forearm. He has that long release that hasn't been fixed um, with his baseball background and stuff like that. He has smaller hands, which is why he had these, you know, the the combination of all that together is why he had sack fumble issues at California. And we're starting to see it pop up now um, at the NFL level. He had one against Cleveland. He had one against uh, the Saints. He's not a guy who has a quick release, and they're trying to make him be a quick game guy, and that's just not who he was. And that offense isn't going to work um, with him in the gun. It's not going to work with him under center if Gurley's just a decoy and they're not actually going to throw screens to him and run the ball. Um, so I really do not have faith in what the Rams are doing. I think they kind of have lost their identity to a certain point, and until they can commit um, to either, you know, using up some of Gurley's touches. In the regular season, or just having Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson do some of that work, um I think they're going to be in trouble because I just don't think Golf is going to be able to work in the gun the way that they want him to.
1: Yeah, that, that's one thing that, like, I feel like we we've talked about for a while. Maybe even going back to last year, where like if you look at Jared Goff's like I think shotgun snaps last year, I, man, I I had on my old laptop from SB Nation. I don't have it on me now, but like. I just did, like, I got bored with some sports info solution numbers last year and and just kind of ran, like, adjusted yard per attempt uh, value numbers. But, like, golf was quietly one of, like, the worst shotgun passes in the league. and Or, or, like, when it came to, like, that quick game stuff and when it came to under center passes that weren't uh, play action, like, you struggled there, too. It's, like, you almost need to create these windows for him. And to be fair, like McVeigh has been obviously excellent through that through, uh, two seasons. But now you're starting to get to a point like where, you know, if Gurley's not going to be the guy and Malcolm Brown, isn't good. And Malcolm Brown isn't like this dynamic player. And I guess Daryl Henderson just isn't ready or maybe he's banged up or whatever. But you know, that offense is just kind of in no man's land right now. And I know that, you know, our friend Betts at all 22 on Twitter, you know, his accounts protected right now. Uh, He noted that the Rams that kind of went away from the outside zone and they tried out crack toss against the Saints last week uh, to kind of combat what the Saints were doing up front. Uh, And, you know, the Patriots and the Lions, it kind of gave teams a blueprint to on how to slow this offense down by just going heavy fronts and forcing golf to be like a real quarterback. Uh, So I think, you know, it's just going to take some time for the Rams to figure out. How they maneuvered through teams, you know, I guess having a more sound plan for them than they used to, though. I mean, I, I think McVay is probably going to figure this out at some point throughout the season. And it's good that they've gotten a 3-0, even with those offensive struggles. But, you know, I, I think even Todd Bowles is the guy that could have a plan ready for them. So I don't know if I want to bet on this game, but I do like the reasoning behind Tampa Bay plus 10. I think one area for concern with me with putting money on Tampa Bay would be the Rams defense has been pretty good so far. And, you know, Jameis right. Jameis is prone for implosion games at any So, <laughs> yeah,
2: that, that's, that's very fair. Yeah, you definitely, you definitely uh, uh, never feel safe betting on Jameis. But I, ju- I just think this, this gives too much respect to who the Rams are right now. I mean, Steve Wilkes put a nose tackle on the center and then put two linebackers in A-gaps against Goff and sent them both. Like, they had three guys in the A-gap. Yeah. And it wasn't until later that Goff was like, oh, oh I can check into a, uh, you know, screen to the outside when I'm in an empty and stuff like that. But, I mean, they didn't have enough guys to block the inside. And it was just like I'm daring Goff to make an audible, a uh, uh, organic audible that isn't coming from McVay, you know, and stuff like that. So there, there was that one clip, too, where Goff looks to the sideline after that third down that where he just, like, threw the ball away because he was flustered. And he goes, you know, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. And it's just like, man – the Rams had, like, the perfect identity. They built the perfect scenario around golf. And now they're kind of going away from it. And it's like, if you're going away from it, it's only going to go downhill. You know, maybe it's not going to go all the way downhill, but um, it's going to get worse. You're not going to be who you were. At least the defense is stepping up. but
1: Yeah. So, you know, we'll see how the game goes. But you are in on the Bucks plus 10. Uh, next game... The uh, Seattle Seahawks are going to Arizona for their first match of the season. The Arizona Cardinals are a five-point home dog. Uh, this kind of feels like a stay-away game for me. Uh, like, I don't, I just don't know what to expect from the team. Because, you know, if you look at, like, Arizona, I think there's promise. Where if you look at, like, the fourth quarter... And overtime versus the Lions, and you look at how they combated Baltimore, and like they weren't able to put the ball in the end zone. But you like you see the vision of how this team is going to put up points once they get better players. Uh, it, it, they're just kind of like very you know erratic to me right now. And the Seahawks, like I feel like if the Seahawks had the right mind state, this should be almost like an easy Seahawks minus five bet. But they are just so committed to this ground bullshit. Even though they have one of the best, they've, they've like, you know, maybe arguably like a top three quarterback in the league. And they are just so committed to just playing like this safe ass style of football when, you know, they should be airing it out and throwing the ball like 40 times a game. But for some reason, they just want to stay and do this grounded pound for God knows what. I, I don't, I really just don't understand why they're so committed to this. Like, you could go out and legitimately be one of the best offenses in the NFC. But, you know, they're just content with playing this grinded out. And then they get to this point where it's like, oh, shit, we need to score some points. Let's give the ball back to our elite quarterback. Right. He makes it happen. People, you could just start people, the game like that.
2: People always talk about how Russell Wilson is a great fourth quarter quarterback or like a second half, you know, Seahawks are a second half team. When you look at the stat split, he's not even that much better. It's just they pass more often. You know, if right. you look at the last two seasons, I would get I haven't looked it up. Um, but you can use pro football reference on your own and let me know if I'm a dummy, but I, I would guess that they're you know, Russell Wilson's the second most efficient quarterback behind uh, Patrick Mahomes over the last two years. And they lead the league in carries the last two years. It's just, they're overcommitted to the run and it just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't seem like, you know, if they can keep going, you know, nine and seven or 10 and six doing this, I don't know if Sean is going to change his mind. So I, I don't really even know what they can do until someone goes in there and they get a new offensive coordinator and just unleash him. But it really is kind of sad that, like, we don't get to see Russell Wilson for, you know, full four full quarters like we
1: would if he were in, like, Pittsburgh or something. Yeah. Uh, so it, it just, it's just kind of weird. But that's, like, a stay-away game just because, like, you just don't really know what you're going to get from either team. And, you know, I, I think the Seahawks have the big quarterback advantage right now, but – If you don't use them, it doesn't matter. Uh, Next game is the Minnesota Vikings heading to Chicago to take on the Chicago Bears. The Bears are a a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. The Chicago Bears led by Mitchell Trubisky are a a two-and-a-half-point home favorite against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, We are both in on the Vikings covering that two-and-a-half-point spread. And I think I might honestly just put them on the money line. Uh, Dude, the I I don't. So, so let's
2: let's go, let's go wait, over this. Let's so, go. Where like, this come from? Where, why are the why are the Bears favorite?
1: Just because they're home?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess this says that like Minnesota on a neutral field would be a half point favorite over Chicago. But if we go unit by unit, right? Do you think there's a big difference between Chicago's defense and Minnesota's defense? Not enough. Like maybe a point or two, right? Like a right. point, a point and a half, something like that. Okay. Minnesota's run game versus Chicago's run game. Is there a huge difference there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, and then I think probably, you
1: go. I'd be the best running back in the league right now.
2: Right. Kubiak-Hive. And then, you know, we talk about their passing offenses. I think Minnesota still has the edge there over Trubisky and what they have at receiver versus um, Cousins and, you know, Thielen and Diggs. So, like, Minnesota, I think, should be favored by more than a half point.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. I. I just don't know. Oh, Chicago,
2: Chicago, for whatever it's worth, is coming off of a, sh- uh, a day shorter, too.
1: Yeah. And the quarterback sucks. Like, I, I, you cannot you cannot fool me with whatever happened on Monday Night Football where you're playing against. You know, once again, Washington is just in complete disarray, just like every other year. Uh and things are falling apart at the seams. Like you can't really fool me into thinking that that tr- performance is going to be what we keep getting from Trubisky. And you know the Vikings they have a lot more talent on defense, and Washington does. They have a lot better coaches. Like they're going to be more prepared. So I don't know. Like I, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Like kind of slug it out because the Bears' defense is still real good. And maybe I maybe. How, how, where are they ranked in the values? Because I know the Patriots are one, but how far off are they from the Patriots on defense? Chicago? Yeah. Uh, They are
2: like two, three, four, five, six, seventh. They're seventh. They're seventh, but it's like there's a drop after them. So it's like the Patriots, um, Patriots, Packers, Panthers, Bills, Rams, Niners, and then Bears.
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, I feel like these teams, like, Maybe the defenses are close, but the quarterback situation is so just heavily favored and Minnesota's favored that I don't know. Like, I just don't see how you could bet on Trubisky to win this game. Uh, and I, I like, I'm with you, I'm going to take the Vikings plus two and a half. I think they're just a better overall football team right now. And you know, the Bears defense is good, but we've seen season long that unless you're fielding one of these historically great units like they did last year, it's really not. You know, it, it doesn't make that big of a difference when it comes to gambling.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm all in on on fading uh, Chicago when they're at a high point after a win. I'm I'm very especially a national win on a short week. I'm totally done against a bad team. Um, next game, Jacksonville at Denver. This is the last afternoon game. Denver
1: is a three point home favorite. I don't know why. Uh Yeah, I mean, they've looked awful. And, you know, s- sneakily enough, very sneakily enough, like the Jacksville Jaguars have, like, had an above-average passing unit this year with Minshew. Sneakily.
2: Uh, there's, there's, I guess some people don't have as many Jags fans in yeah. their lives as we do. Like, every every day I'm fighting back Minshew as Tom Brady.
1: <laughs> maybe he's, like, the one six-round guy that maybe could be a, a starter.
2: People uh, like te- – People text me every day, like how, how, how do how do they get out of the false contract? Can we trade him? Can we trade him back to Philly? <laughs> uh, our, our buddy, uh, our buddy John Shipley, who works for Sports Illustrated, was to, was telling me like the Packers should trade for Foles, and my blood was
1: boiling. I, I mean... couldn't couldn't deal with it. <laughs> I was furious. I was furious. I. Dude, yeah, I don't, I don't get how Denver is favored over anybody that's not named the Jets and the Dolphins right now. I mean, this... You respect the Cardinals, huh? Okay. You I respect forgot. the
2: Cardinals too much.
1: I, I forgot about the Cardinals. I forgot about them. I have CTE. Okay. So, uh, but, dude, like the, the Broncos stuck. And like Flacco hasn't played very well. Their defense is weird. can
2: get pressure somehow? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, they haven't they haven't they gotten they haven't gotten a single sack this year and that's kind of crazy when you think Yvonne Miller and Bradley Chubb like those two guys alone can 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 run a pass rush so I don't know what's going on there. Well they
2: they're they're sending three a lot. Like they sent three to Green Bay a lot last week
1: for whatever that's worth. So how many am I'm, I'm not even sure if they have any turnovers yet this season.
2: I think I think they didn't have any turnovers or any sacks and it was like the first time a team's gone two weeks without that in a long ass time.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I think right now the like Jacksonville is just probably just a better team than Denver. So, the only that- the
2: only way I could see Denver winning really is if they just run over them, you know? Like Philip Lindsay, he's a player.
1: Yeah, he's, he's If not- the
2: balls in Flacco's hands, I mean, that defense right now isn't good enough to win games that way. mm
1: mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure this is going to be a game that I spend a whole lot of time on, but uh, I, I see the vision for Jacks plus three. Uh, but I don't know if I want to bet on it. I just, you know, I, I'm just not ready to put my money on Minchu Hive, even though, yeah, I, I do enjoy watching him, though. He's fun.
2: Um, should we talk about the world's worst fantasy league and how I, I fumbled the Jacksonville wide receiver situation? We have like we have we have an awful league where it's like fourteen teams with like forty man rosters, and we have to start six <laughs> wide receivers a week. So I ended up in, for the Jags offense. I ended up with uh, I have like Marquise Lee, Chris Conley, D. Oh. Westbrook, and I had D. J. Chark on the team too. D. J. Chark, who mind you, after Thursday night was leading the league in in receiving yards. And we had to have like our, our cutdowns because we like can roster like 50 guys in the offseason <laughs> to cut down to 40. This is the worst league in the world. And DJ Chark was one of my cuts because he was, the, you know, a really bad wide receiver last year. And now he's the only relevant Jacksonville receiver. So I was stuck with D.D. Westbrook uh, dropping balls, Marquise Lee, just not being on the field. And then whatever Chris
1: Conley's doing. I'm furious. I'm an idiot.
2: I don't know why anyone listens to us. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) this is, I mean, it's a bad podcast. And trust me, like if anyone who's in the league is listening to this show, they can attest to uh, how brutally awful that league is. I mean, it's just too many people and it's too deep, but it's fun at the same time. Uh, All right. So we are on to the night game. Sunday night football, Dallas heading to New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans is a two and a half point home underdog. And this game was a lot more compelling, like, two weeks ago.
2: Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater threw, like, two completions over five yards last week. And yeah. And somehow beat the Seahawks because the Seahawks refused to pass.
1: Yeah. I think our pal Seth Kalina was saying his average depth of target was, like, 3.3 3 yards, which is, uh, I think, pretty... I
2: think, I think that was on completions.
1: On or completions. Something.
2: I, I, or maybe it's the other way. I, there's some A-dot where it was, like, 1.8. I don't know if it was completions or if it, it might have been completions cuz he threw all those damn screens maybe he had incomplete passes on the throws he actually threw downfield but it wasn't good in Dallas with those linebackers man they they can make tackles in space on Camaro on like you know Seahawks backup linebackers basically
1: yeah i i, I think see here's the thing cuz i feel like i feel like this is might might be a good spot to bet on the Cowboys to like to sprint to 4-0 where This, like, Kellen Moore has the offense rolling, and it's not like the Saints defense has been overly impressive to start the season. So I see you don't have a pick down here, but tell me why I shouldn't take Dallas minus two and a
2: half. Because it would be eight and a half in Dallas, and home field matters. It's in New Orleans. That's fair. And it's going to be a Sunday night game. I mean, that thing is going to be rocking, you know. That's Mm -hmm. the only reason why, but I'm interested to see what happens because they might just say, like, all right, you want to – you want to throw all this short stuff? I mean, if I'm going against Teddy Bridgewater and I watched the film that he put out last week where they're not very confident in him throwing down the field pretty obviously, um, why not just run, like, cover two the entire time and just say, hey, there's five low zone defenders. Hit a damn post or throw it outside the numbers deep. I dare you. You know? Yeah. But, like, take 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 Kamara out of the game because that was his guy.
1: Uh, Okay. Yeah, that's fair. But... Man, it just feels like I don't know, like just with the way that Moore has an offense rolling, like it could be. But I think all right, I'll I'll just stay away. Um, even though like I am really excited to see that Cowboys offense like a national spotlight because they are a ton of fun to watch. People who people who haven't really gotten that much exposure to them, like Moore is coaching his ass off, and I think the funniest part to me is that. Uh, Kellen Moore, he said that they haven't even, they didn't even add any plays this offseason to the playbook. So they have just kind of been sitting on like this super duper explosive offense with Scott Lenahan for no good reason. And Kellen Moore has just kind of figured out this way to unload it.
2: I I I think people kind of overrate that though. Like the the playbook thing. Like I think every NFL team has these plays in.
1: Yeah. So it's just like,
2: you know, where it's like the thing where it's like, Um, Drew Brees had this thing where he was talking about Sean Payton and how he's still learning Sean Payton's playbook because he adds 50 plays a week or something, like even in the offseason. And I don't know, like, to a certain extent, who you are offensively isn't what you have installed, but it's like what you call consistently in your verbiage, you know? Yeah. So I'm not I'm not that surprised that they already have the plays in. The funniest thing I think about this Cowboys season is like the Cowboys fans in our life. Um, are very much like I hope the Cowboys do well, but not well enough that they extend they extend uh, Jason Garrett. They're like they need to fuck up at some point so that they can make Kellen Moore the head coach next year. We we can't let Kellen go away. I mean, you could just let Garrett's contract expire
1: and move him on up.
2: But did okay? So let's talk about this. Did Jerry go through all the growing pains with Garrett just to chew him out the door once he had his best season? I don't know, Garrett.
1: I mean, Jerry's old as hell, bro. Like, (laughs) he might be looking at the Grim Reaper and saying, "Mm, "What's my best chance of getting the ring before I, uh, you know, hit the pearly gates?"
2: I hope he does because I think, I mean, I think Kellen has the juice. I don't think it's Jason Garrett.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, Jason
2: make the right decision because Dak is fun as hell right now.
1: Yeah, he's a good player. You know, been on that train for like four years now, so feels pretty good to be right. And man, okay, let's talk about this. How much okay? Do you think that they get a deal done during the season? Because I feel like they almost have to at this point. Um, it's how much, how much could he command after the season if he keeps playing like this? But if you're Dak, why, right? Why, I'm, why I'm would I, like, right. If I'm Dak, I, I don't know why. Are, are you saying like you wouldn't sign a deal right now?
2: No, just keep betting on yourself. Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of what you're supposed I mean. If you're a player, that's really what you're supposed to do. If, if Dak has a knee injury, do you think someone's going to pay him next year? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, his, his value wasn't going to go down with the injury. We saw Carson Wentz basically got the same deal that Jared Goff got, and Carson was coming off of an injury, and Goff and Wentz have the same agency with the same agents. So it's like, okay, do injuries to quarterbacks not even matter anymore? Like talent just matters so much that like injury risk doesn't matter. So like, what is Dak worried about? It's not yeah. like he's going to get exposed at any point.
1: Yeah, so I'm with you. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if I'm Dak, I just kind of keep sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting and just keep putting up numbers. And, you know, maybe we don't, maybe we, if he if he keeps putting up these numbers, I don't think anyone's laughing if he gets close to $40 million in the offseason. No, I mean, if you're Dak, maybe wait out the Mahomes deal. If
2: you can. <laughs> like, Mahomes I mean, is going to get like 40 or something. And then you just say, all right, give me 41. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's gonna get fucking paid after the season. What what's Jerry gonna do? Say no? No. You think Jerry's gonna like it?
1: just let let a star quarterback walk out? Of the-
2: Jerry's gonna be at the CBA CBA meetings. Like, we need to get rid of the salary cap. We got we got to get rid of it. It's ruining our sport. Let me
1: pay Dak. <laughs> I have no self control. Let me pay all these guys because I can afford to. I'm worth three billion dollars, dude. Like, let me just, I will
2: uh, say, if I'm if I'm Dallas, I just tell Amari, like hey, we're just waiting out this Dak thing. Like, I hope, I hope you understand.
1: Like, yeah.
2: it's not the personal, but, like, we're, we're getting this one done first. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, you, you got to get Amari back, too, because that, that, that has quietly turned into, like, one of the best QB receiver deals in the league, like, since Amari got traded there. Like, Amari Cooper, his time in Oakland ended in, you know, just kind of nothingness, but that dude is he still was there. He just
2: running into the flats.
1: Right. He's still very much a very dynamic, explosive receiver. So I'm glad he's got a chance to uh, to shine now. Um, do we want to talk about Monday Night Football, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh?
2: Eddie Dalton, Mason Rudolph. I got nothing. Uh, can you name Cincinnati's backup right now?
1: His backup quarterback? Yeah. Ryan Finley. Can you name Pittsburgh's backup quarterback? mason rudolph can i name his back <laughs> yeah you told, me, you, told me, you told me last night but i already forgot his name because i didn't know who he was it's devlin hodges who was
2: pittsburgh's fourth quarterback and wasn't even on their practice squad in week one yeah. like he, he was on the street and we're one play away from him starting in the game that's perfect
1: it's just a great situation to be in
2: yeah th- this this is a uh, draft pick game i mean oh. so here's the thing to watch right if pittsburgh loses this oh, my God, that draft pick is going to be so high that, that they traded Minka for.
1: Yeah. All right, so let me just pull up tankathon.com, the website. Like, if you're a mock draft junkie or you just want to see, like, where – like, pretty much as the games end, they update the draft order. So right now, if the, if the NFL draft were held this very second, the Miami Dolphins would have gotten Minka Fitzpatrick for the fourth pick in next year's draft. So that like the Pittsburgh Steelers have the fourth pick in the draft right now, if that drops to zero four, like you're looking at what what is probably going to be like a top six lock maybe, because they still have to play the Ravens twice this year. Like th- this is this offense, it wasn't like super duper efficient last year with Big Ben. Like I know he led the league in passing yards, but, like on a throw for third bases, like he wasn't overly efficient. But now, like man, this is this is tanked, and the defense isn't playing very well. Uh, so I don't know what's going to happen on Monday night. Like they could absolutely beat a, you know, the Bengals. But like if you're zero four, you've got to start. If like if you're a Steelers fan, you guys are thinking like, man, was Minka Fitzpatrick really worth like a top five pick in the draft? And he he's, you say you know, he
2: yeah, I, he probably isn't. I mean, no,
0: I'm a
1: big. He's
2: worth a top ten pick, I would say, with his contract and stuff like that. But this year doesn't even matter. So like. Does the value of that – does the value of his contract even matter this year? Because if it doesn't, then his value goes down a third, you know? You only got him for two meaningful years on on that that uh, controlled salary. 0-3 oh, teams have a 2% chance of making the playoffs. 0-4 oh, teams have a 1% chance of making the playoffs. Um, Tomlin is supposed to be a defensive-minded head coach, and their defense is really bad. So, like, if you're not going to make the playoffs, man, you need proof of concept on that defense fast. And if Andy Dalton lights you up. That's not good. I don't think they'll make a change in season. That's not the type of organization that Pittsburgh is. They kind of pride themselves in seeing things out like that. So I don't think Tomlin is going to get fired in season. But if they look real bad, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened at the end of the year. I wouldn't even be
1: surprised if Tomlin was like, bro, I'm tired. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of time away. (laughs) I mean, dude, like you look at Antonio Brown and what he's doing in a public light. Like just imagine what he was doing behind the scenes. Like and obviously, you know, not saying that he was like this monster bad guy like the entire time he was in Pittsburgh, but you don't just immediately get to week seven, whatever happened week seventeen last year where he's not playing. Like you have there's build up behind the scenes that gets to that point. And like you're dealing with Big Ben and Le'Veon Bell throughout the whole process. Like I, I I think we would all completely understand it if Tom was like, dude, I just need some time to be a normal person for a little bit.
2: Him, him, and Gronkowski will join the Patriots uh, yeah. for the playoffs. That'll, that'll be fun. <laughs> just, to just, just signing ringers before the playoffs. Yeah, that's great. It's great for the sport. Uh, All right, you got anything I'm else? I'm sad.
1: Want to say? I'm sad. Uh nah. Not All really. right. Well, that's it. Episode ninety two. Send the edge. Be back next week, hopefully. Bye.